You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A great Wednesday to you, fellow Cleveland Browns fans. Welcome into this Locked On Browns podcast. I am your host, Jared Mueller, and I, like most of you, just finished watching our Cleveland Indians clinch the American League Championship. Yes, you heard me, the American League Championship. Can you believe it? Another Cleveland sports team is going to face off for the championship of their league. And so the the Cleveland Indians will be facing off with either the Los Angeles Dodgers, hopefully it's them, or the Chicago Cubs for the right to be called MLB champion. And what a year it's been. What a four what four months it's been. Literally four months to today. So today is October 19th. That means June 19th. Our Cleveland Cavaliers clinched the NBA title coming back from a 3-1 deficit that we all know. We know all the jokes that we made all summer long, didn't we, Cleveland fans? And now we have the Cleveland Indians going back to the World Series. Uh, since I was uh, back in high school, actually, is uh, when I was a senior, I believe, in high school uh, when they were there before. And so uh, talking to my wife about just some of the memories that we have as kids uh, with the uh, team facing off with the, the Braves and then with the Marlins and just what it's like for, for me. And so I know we're on a Browns podcast. So we'll get to the Browns here really quickly. But for me, the Indians were my first sports love. Uh, so while now I'm really a Browns guy, then the Cavs, uh, then the Buckeyes, and then the Indians, growing up it was all Indians. You know, it's what, up in Sandusky, Ohio, what we knew was was the Indians were really kind of our team. It was, it was a sport we all got around. It was a sport we could all play in the neighborhood. We could always find a game to kind of go out and just, whether it's just throw the ball around or hit the ball around or make up rules for some kind of game. Baseball really was our game, and the Indians really were our team. And I know for me, at a very young age, uh, I learned to read because of Cleveland Indians baseball cards. So my brother is almost exactly five years older than me, and Rob would uh, just get me starting to – he would show me cards. He would show me the words. He would show me batting averages and home runs and and RBIs. And I know that was a big part of how I learned to read is uh, I wasn't reading little books. It was reading baseball cards. And so – for me, the Indians will always hold a special place in my heart. And so uh, they enter the World Series with a 7-1 record in the playoffs this year. Their one loss being the last game against the Blue Jays. And so uh, just an exciting time in Cleveland. Cavs won four, four months ago. Uh, the Indians now are going to the World Series, which opens October 25th in Cleveland. And if you're a Cavs fan, you also know that October 25th is the opening night for the Cavaliers, which is when they'll get their rings. And so... Uh, most likely that whole day I will be up in Cleveland. Uh, I will try to get a recording in, but man, is it an exciting time. Um, and one of the things kind of going in with, with the Browns, and it was a conversation again my wife and I had today, is this is a year that I think all the Cleveland sports franchises are getting exactly what they want. Obviously, the Indians still want to win four more games and win the World Series, um, but I think it's obviously really exciting to win the AL Central, win the American League Championship, and obviously go to the World Series. That's huge. They still need to complete the mission, four more wins, bring another title to Cleveland, end that long four-month drought that we've had between titles. But I think for the Indians, I think they're, they're pretty happy where they're at. 
Um, I think they, no matter what happens in the World Series, they will be happy. It doesn't mean they wouldn't, they don't want to win or they're content with just getting there, but I think they'll be happy at the end of the season, making it to the ALC or making it to the World Series, winning the American League Championship. I think the Indians will, as an organization, as a franchise, have to be happy. Such a young roster. Then you have the Cavs. They won their NBA title. They brought pretty much their core back outside of Matthew Dellavedova and Timofey Mozgov. So they got exactly what they wanted as well. I'm not sure they really wanted Mozgov back anyways. So they got what they wanted. They they brought in some uh, Mike Dunleavy, Chris Anderson, got some young guys like Kay Felder, uh, Jordan McRae that they want to develop. I think the Cavs got exactly what they wanted from their season. So the Indians are right where they want to be, four more wins, and they've got their title. The Cavs are exactly where they wanted to be. They won their title. And now they brought most of that, that team back, added some parts, and kind of are looking to grow and develop. And then we have our Cleveland Browns, and I think they are exactly where they want to be. Unlike any other season, and I've said this from the start, the Cleveland Browns did not have a huge desire to win games as a bit, as an organization. Not that they, they weren't okay with it, not that they wouldn't have been happy to surprise and win a bunch of games or win even, you know, go 8-8 eight and eight or even 5-11, and 6-10. and 10. But when we look at what the Browns wanted to do, I think they're right where they want to be. They're developing a bunch of young talent. They've got a ton of draft picks. Because of their losing record, they're going to have probably at this point, obviously they'll have the number one pick, or they're going to have a very, very high pick uh, in the NFL draft, as well as another pick from the Eagles. The Eagles are starting to show some of their flaws, so who knows where that pick will go. Tennessee Titans, they're not very good. They'll have a, a pretty high pick in the second round. Uh, from the Titans. And so for a team that really, they didn't bring in any veterans to really uh, change the roster or to try to compete right away. They brought in Robert Griffin III as kind of a lottery ticket. Looks like that's not going to pay off. And that's fine. No big deal. They brought in Demario Davis to kind of give him some thumper in the middle of, of their defense. He's been fine for what he is. Uh, they brought in Alvin Bailey on the offensive line. Uh, he's looked okay at times. And now he's our starting left guard with Joe Batonio out. And so all of that tells me the Browns were not looking to compete. They let Mitchell Schwartz go, Alex Mack, Tyshawn Gibson, Travis Benjamin. They let everybody go. And so the the Browns weren't looking to win. The Cavs and the Indians were. The Browns were looking to, to develop this solid foundation. And so far, we've got it. And so as we cheer on the Indians going back to the World Series, or going to the World Series, we cheer on the Cavs getting their rings and and all of that kind of stuff. We should be cheering on the Browns. The Browns have a clue of what they're doing. They have a plan going forward. They have a coach that is getting a lot out of their players, especially on the offensive side. They have a coach that people want to play for. He's someone that, because Trump Pryor is going to be a free agent, I think he's coming back primarily because of Hugh Jackson, right? The money will be good, all that kind of stuff. But the Cleveland Browns, like the Indians and the Cavs, are right where they want to be. Whether they get the number one pick, the number five pick, wherever that is, they really are right where they want to be. They're developing their young talent. They're developing a culture. You haven't seen the team give up. Even against the New England Patriots, you didn't see a lot of give up. They were destroyed by the Patriots, but they didn't give up. Even last week, as they missed their two-point conversion, and it looked like all hope was lost, you did not see someone on that team give up. Instead, they fought and fought and fought until the end, until uh, they missed that onside kick uh, at the end and lost by two points. But we see a Browns team fighting like no Browns team we've ever seen. We see a quarterback in Cody Kessler, who I'll talk about here in just a little bit, uh, 
connecting it to an uh, article I wrote for our premium subscribers on the Orange and Brown Report, we see someone in Cody Kessler who's doing well. We see some young guys on defense with Carl Nassib, Emmanuel Agba. Those guys are looking pretty good. Danny Shelton's just throwing guys around, has become the stud in the middle of the defensive line who they can really, really build around. Corey Coleman has to excite. Pharrell Pryor has excited. Duke Johnson, Isaiah Crowell. We've seen a lot of good from these Browns. And there's a crap ton of draft picks coming our way. And so the Indians are going to the World Series. The Cavs are getting their championship ring. Both of those happen Tuesday, the 25th, so next Tuesday. And the Cleveland Browns are right where they want to be. Whether the fans like it or not, the team is in the going in the right direction. They have a plan. They have a purpose. And so far, so good. Okay, Kevin, for the grand prize of $1 million, what color is the White House? Um, I know this. I know this. I know this. Um, five seconds. Oh, switching to Geico could save you a bunch of money on car insurance? Okay. Judges? That's true, Kevin. They'll allow it. Congratulations. You're a winner. Woo! Geico, because saving 15% or more on car insurance is always a great answer. So one of the big kind of conversations that are happening in the NFL right now is about Tony Romo, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. And so for a premium subscriber article that I wrote uh, for the Orange and Brown Report, I, I kind of take a look at uh, Cody Kessler and where he is. And so those of you who have listened to me for a long time here on the Lockdown Browns podcast have uh, read my articles, see me on Twitter. You know that for me, Cody Kessler and Andy Dalton are kind of the, the simple comparisons um, and for me, the, all, the concern is always, does good get in the way of great, right? So Andy Dalton is good. Uh, he's better than any quarterback the Browns have had in, uh, ever. Um, and so he's good. But the problem is, is that because he was there on the roster, uh, specifically I can point to the Bengals didn't draft Teddy Bridgewater. They didn't draft Derek Carr. Obviously the Browns passed on them as well, but uh, that's because they were stupid, and the uh, Bengals passed on him because of Andy Dalton. And so um, in my article and kind of the big thing with Cody Kessler is the question is compared to Andy Dalton's rookie year, compared to what Dak Prescott has done, and even a little bit compared to what Carson Wentz has done, what do we see from Cody Kessler? My thought is, before I kind of break into some of the stats, my belief is if Cody Kessler was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys with that offensive line, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Jason Wynn, with Des Bryant, who's hurt right now, Cody Kessler would be kind of the talk of the NFL. The talk would be whether or not Cody Kessler could hold off Tony Romo, if he could make enough plays that Tony Romo would um, have to stay on the bench. That would really be the conversation. Um, because the reality is what we saw from Des- Dak Prescott hasn't been this huge arm, big play uh, kind of quarterback. We've seen someone who knows how to manage the game, makes solid plays, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. All things that we've seen from Cody Kessler. The problem is the Browns don't have his defense as well as good as the Cowboys, which is saying something. Dallas's defense wasn't expected to be very good. They're better than expected. They definitely don't have as good of offensive line as Dallas does. And because of that, they don't have the protection or the run game that Dallas does. And so, Dallas doesn't get shut down by New England like we did. That just doesn't happen. They don't get the run game doesn't get shut down by the Titans like we did. That doesn't mean Dallas would have beat New England or beat the Titans. I think they would have definitely beat the Titans. No one's really beating the Patriots with Tom Brady on his return game. But 
imagine that Cody Kessler gets drafted by the Cowboys and the Browns draft Dak Prescott. The Cowboys are probably only have one loss and the Browns probably have no wins. But the conversation would be different. The narrative would be different. Probably possibly even the same thing with Carson Wentz, though. I think things would have been looked a little different with Sam Bradford and, and those guys uh, and their decision with him. If, uh, they didn't draft Carson Wentz, and they waited until the third round to draft a Cody Kessler. And so um, kind of in my article on the Orange and Brown Report, I just kind of look at some of the good or, or really good quarterbacks, uh, that idea that you've got to find a good quarterback. You have to find that guy. Dalton's Bengals are 2-4. and four. So are Andrew Luck's Colts, San Diego's Phillip Rivers Chargers, uh, Eli Manning's Giants are 3-3. Three and three. One of the all-time greats in Drew Brees is two and three. The stud, super stud Cam Newton is one and five with Carolina Panthers. Carson Palmer and the Arizona Cardinals are two and three, though he had some injury issues. I believe it was a concussion. So you look at some of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, and they're all under 500. Eli's three and three. But then you have the New England Patriots going three three and one without. Tom Brady. The Bills are four and two with Tyrod Taylor, uh, with Brock Osweiler, who is horrible. The Texans are four and two. Sam Bradford and Sean Hill for a game, uh, and a, a little bit of Teddy uh, has the Vikings undefeated. Right, so we're looking at some really really good quarterbacks that so far this season aren't doing very well record wise, and some other quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor, Brock Osweiler, and Sam Bradford, who have their teams in in very very good positions. And so over a quarter into the season, some mediocre or bad quarterbacks are leading their teams to winning records, and some very, very good quarterbacks have losing records. Now, listen, I'm not a quarterback wins guy. I don't believe that's a stat that can be attributed to a quarterback. But what I'm arguing is the Browns needing a, a, a quarterback, which is the argument that I and many have made, isn't kind of playing out at least this season so far. So if we take a look, uh, Prescott and Dalton, um, looking at them through six uh, games of their rookie season. So looking back at Dalton's rookie season, we're looking at Prescott so far. We have some interesting numbers. So Prescott has completed 69% of his passes in the first six games. Dalton, 63. Prescott has just a little under 1,500 yards passing. Dalton had just a little over 1,300 yards passing. Prescott had seven touchdowns, Dalton had seven touchdowns, Dak had one interception, Dalton had five. And then the passer rating, uh, Prescott's at 103.9, Dalton was at 85.2. And so then I extrapolated Kessler's out. So he's played in four games so far, uh, though he got knocked out of one. And so um, I did some math on that to extrapolate Kessler's numbers out. And what we get is a really interesting kind of dynamic. Uh, so completion percentage, 69% for Prescott, 66 for Kessler, 63 for Dalton. TDs, 7-7 seven and seven for Dalton and Prescott, 6 for Kessler. One interception, both for Kessler and Prescott, 5 still for Dalton. And then a passer rating of 93.8 compared to Prescott's really good 103.9 and Dalton's 85.2. So though Kessler's Browns are 0-4 in their starts and and Prescott's Cowboys are 5-1, and one. and even Dalton's 2011 Bengals started 4-2, and two. statistically, there's not much difference. So my question to you, Browns fans, is are you starting to be sold on 
Cody Kessler. Do you understand that if Cody Kessler's with the Cowboys right now, he's being talked about the same way Dak Prescott is? Do you see that it's possible that Cody Kessler is better than Andy Dalton in their rookie seasons? Better completion percentage, almost the same amount of yards, almost the same amount of touchdowns, less interceptions, better quarterback rating, very similar pass attempts, completions, all of that. Do you see that that there might be something to Cody Kessler? And do you see how the build of a team is almost more important or maybe is more important than who the quarterback is, depending on how you play the game? The Dallas Cowboys are built around a run game that can chew up clock, make things very simple for Dak Prescott, and keep them in the game all the time. So here's my point. Quarterback play is not as simple as evaluating wins. It's also not even that as simple as, as evaluating statistics. A, the team around a quarterback means almost as much as the quarterback, maybe more. The Browns' future may not be solely depending on finding the guy. Maybe Cody Kessler is good enough. Kessler is similar at quarterback this point as Prescott is and Dalton was. And again, evaluating quarterbacks is not that easy. And so... Browns fans, as we look at the rest of the season, we're, you know, we got 10 games left. The question becomes is as you evaluate Cody Kessler, because again, the quarterback position is really, really important. Are you evaluating him based on a big arm? Throwing the ball way downfield? Based on wins? Or are you evaluating him based on how good he plays the quarterback position based on what he is asked to do? Because if you're only worried about wins, Dak Prescott and Cody Kessler, the only difference is who they play for. If you're worried about big arms, Jamarcus Russell and a bunch of other players can tell you why that doesn't work, Brandon Whedon being one. And so um, I'm not saying Cody Kessler is the guy. I'm not. I've, I've been on the let's find the great quarterback. The reality is Hugh Jackson has brought in so much out of Cody Kessler. It actually gives me a lot of confidence in what he can do with a a really, really highly skilled guy, uh, someone like, again, Deshaun Watson is my guy. Accurate, strong enough arm, can run the ball, uh, hard worker, dedicated dude. Like, everything about him screams yes to me that he is far better kind of base than Cody Kessler. And with Hugh Jackson and Hugh Jackson's offense, I think Deshaun Watson could be great. So I'm not the guy saying, oh, just Cody's great, Let's let's go in a different direction. But what if? What if Hugh Jackson thinks so? What if Sashi Brown and the rest of the Browns front office believe enough in Cody Kessler? How many more doors does that open for the Cleveland Browns in next year's NFL draft, especially if they have the number one overall pick? We'll talk about that. I'll have that up on, on the Orange and Brown Report here in the next couple of days. Uh, tomorrow, we're, we'll start our preview for this week, uh, looking at the Cincinnati Bengals and Hugh Jackson's return and and where they're at and the struggles of the AFC North. But for now, Cleveland, celebrate. It's Cleveland against the world. Maybe it's Cleveland against the World Series. But October 25th, Cleveland will be the center of the sports world with the World Series Game 1, and then right next door, Cavs opening night and the ring ceremony for the NBA champions. And our Cleveland Browns are exactly where they want to be, just like the Cavs, just like the Indians. We are rallying together around our team because in Cleveland, everything is turning up exactly how we want it to be. 
Thanks for stopping by to this Locked On Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.